CSN International presents To Every Man an Answer, the live apologetics program that equips you to give a reason for the hope that lies within you. If you have a Bible question or a question on the Christian faith, you can call us at 1-888-827-5276. Again, that's 1-888-ASK-CSN. Let's get things started. Here's today's host, well, hi, and welcome to Monday's edition of To Every Man and Answer. As you can see, I am not Mike Kessler. I'm Scott Parker. I'm the pastor of Calvary Chapel in Festus, Missouri, near St. Louis. And it's my pleasure to be your host today here for this Monday edition of To Every Man and Answer, where we answer your questions on the Bible, the Christian faith, current events. And so uh, if you would like to call in with a question today, we'd love to encourage you to do so. And that number to call is 8888-ASK-CSN. That's 888-827-5276. And so it's a pleasure to be with you today and to start out another week answering your questions on the Bible, uh, with the Bible. And joining me today is my good friend. He is the founder and president of the Pacific Justice Institute, and he is none other than Mr. Attorney Brad Dacus. And Brad, it's great to have you on the program today. Oh, it's great to be on the show, Scott. Thank you. Yeah, it almost feels like a Friday, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it does. That's usually what I'm on is on a Friday. And when, I, when they told me, they said, well, you're, you're scheduled for today. I thought, wait, today's Monday. Uh, but I was very happy um, to have the opportunity. I, I love every time I get to appear on To Every Man and Answer. It's, it's a real privilege. So I'm happy yes. about that. Yeah, it sure is. And, uh, you know, I'm normally on Mondays. And so, uh, they just took the front and back and squeezed them together, I guess. So anyway, it's a pleasure to have you, Brad. And, uh, if you would, you know, there's a lot going on in our world today. And I know the last time we were on together, uh, you know, you had mentioned, um, being there to offer support, uh, to folks here in our country. Um, that are, that are facing Jewish people that are facing anti-Semitism. And there's a lot going on in our world and, and in college campuses and, and things today. And, uh, so, um, if you would, would just share with our listeners, uh, kind of what's going on with all of that right now and how PJI is involved in that and, and uh, is there to help. Oh, you bet. Uh, it just broke my heart to see. Uh, the mobs of pro-Hamas, pro-terrorist demonstrators at universities across America, anti-Jew, Jewish, anti-Semitic, anti-Israel uh, demonstrations. And I saw this, and it was so well orchestrated. It was massive. And what was also disturbing was the fact that faculty mm-hmm. on these university campuses, over a 100 Professors at Columbia University, for example, in writing, signed off on an anti-Jewish, anti-Semitic piece of paper, a document, to see that kind of uh, investing in our university systems with so much anti-Semitism, anti-Israel, pro-terrorist loving professors. That was also extremely disturbing because there's so many Jewish students now who are saying, whoa, I'm not going to go to Harvard. I'm not going to go to Yale. I'm not going to go to Stanford uh, because in the, and so many other colleges where this is this open, bigoted anti-Semitism has been allowed to flourish, resulting in intimidation, 
uh, and even violence against Jewish students or Christian students speaking up for the Jewish students or speaking up for Israel. So we at Pacific Justice Institute, uh, we know that we're uniquely situated to have a huge ground game of offices all across the country, coast to coast, 36 offices. And so we came out and I publicly pledged to defend and represent any Jewish student or Christian student being harassed by these terrorist thug mobs that are in you know, pro-terrorist uh, mobs that are trying to uh, intimidate, harass uh, Jewish or, or Christian students. And uh, not just against the mobs, but also against the professors in the universities uh, if their actions are clearly targeting and, and can be proven to be orchestrated against the Jewish students. And I think we're going to see lawsuits in the future uh, yeah. moving ahead. But uh, this is a real concern. And we all need to be outspoken and stand up for Israel and these Jewish students yeah. who are under ruthless attacks by not just, uh, you know, people who are from other countries, you know, Muslim countries who are here mm-hmm. with visas, but also by a lot of kids in America who don't understand the history of the Middle East and are just, you know, joining in with the, the rioting pro uh, Hamas uh, demonstrators. Wow. And, and Brad, you know, it's interesting because, uh, you know, these students are being guided and they're being coached, of course, you know, by their professors and such. And, and so what's, what do you think is really behind that as far as the teachers and professors and all of that? Is, is it coming from somewhere above them? Um, you know, to encourage this kind of, uh, bigotry? Um, I mean, it's just interesting to me how quick, um, after what happened in Israel, Israel was attacked by terrorists right. in just a horrific way. I mean, you know, and, and to look at what happened on October 7th and to compare it with 9-11, I mean, it was their 9-11. When you look at the amount of people that they lost and look how quick the, not only, you know, the Muslim world, I mean, I shouldn't say that, but um, but look how quick, even in our country and, and the world, just all of a sudden, the anti-Semitism just rose up out of nowhere. And, yeah. you know, it, it just seems to me that <laughs> that there's, you know, there, there's a whole lot going on pretty high up uh, to encourage this kind of stuff. Yeah. But, you know, when it was announced that they thought that uh, one of uh, Israel's missiles had hit the hospital, Mm-hmm. Masses, millions in Tehran and these Muslim countries massively demonstrating, you know, hate, you know, kill the Jews from mm-hmm. the, the uh, you know, to the uh, river to the sea, you know, get rid of them, exterminate Israel. Right. Well, then when it was released and proven, then no, it was Hamas who fired that missile that went right back down and hit <laughs> near the hospital. Right. Their silence was deafening. Yeah. There was no protest. There was no outrage. No, it just shows you how ultra bigoted the Muslim world is and these Muslim countries are against uh, Israel, which is the only civilized nation in the Middle East when it comes to human rights. Exactly. Uh, democracy. democracy. Yep. Almost one in five of their of the people in Israel are not Jewish, yet they're allowed mm-hmm. to be citizens. A lot of Muslims, citizens, voters, uh, they have a democratic republic. Mm-hmm. And yet all these other thug countries are turning against them. Uh, 
and and we at, uh, in America, we need to stand with them. When I see politicians wavering or a major political party split down the middle mm-hmm. as to whether or not they're against Israel for the terrorists, that should be a wake-up call to all of us and our need to stand all the stronger for Israel and our Jewish neighbors. Exactly. And Brad, listen, thank you so much uh, for all the work that you do there at Pacific Justice Institute. Thank you for standing for truth, standing for biblical values, and especially uh, in a situation like this with what we're experiencing in our country right now. Uh, thank you for just being willing um, to use all your resources that you have uh, to be able to come to aid to help everyone. Um, and that includes the Jewish people here in our country. And uh, we just want to thank you so much for that. And also, if you could, real quick, before we go to some questions, um, go ahead and give the listeners information uh, about how they can f- uh, find information about your ministry, uh, about uh, your organization, and um, how they can you know find you on the web and such. Well, thank you, Scott. Yeah, we're, uh, if people would like to keep up with our cases and get our Legal Insider update, it's a free update, uh, look at our resources to help them, uh, or they'd like to support our work. We have a matching grant campaign right now. Up to $500,000 is going to be matched dollar for dollar. Um, these are real people who've pledged this amount, and it's going to be matched dollar for dollar uh, up and through the end of January. Uh, so if people would like to support our work, either on a one-time or a monthly basis, monthly basis, that'll be matched dollar for dollar for the first 12 months, uh, next 12 months, all of 2024. Uh, just go to our website, it's all tax deductible, pji dot org, pji dot org. Of course, I encourage people first to support their churches. Uh, that's the backbone. But we at PJI, we're defending the churches, we're defending the ministries, and uh, it's a wonderful partnership. And we greatly appreciate people who also choose to support our our work as well. Yes. Well, Brad, thank you so much again for all the work you guys do there at the Pacific Justice Institute. And thanks for taking your time uh, to come and be on the program today. And with that, let me encourage everyone, if you have a question, uh, I'm Scott Parker. I'm the pastor of Calvary Chapel in Festus, Missouri. And for Mike Kessler today, along with Brad Dacus from the Pacific Justice Institute, and we're here to answer your questions on the Bible, Christian faith, current events and so if you would give us a call at 888-827-5276. We're going to go ahead and go to the phone lines now. We have James on the line from Colorado. James, welcome to the program. Oh, thank you very much. How can we help you? Well, my question is on repentance. I got a little confusion here. I got the pastor mm-hmm. saying that re- uh, repentance is a change of mind on who Jesus is, uh, who he was, mm-hmm. and what he did. And then I have other pastors saying that uh, repentance is a change in lifestyle, and um, I'm a sinner. I mean, I was born a sinner. I, I sin whether it's uh, thought, word, or deed. And so how can I truly repent, and is repentance a requisite for salvation? Okay. Well, James, that's a great question. And James, it's actually a very important question because in the church world today, there is a lot of what is called easy believism. And easy believism is just the idea that all a person has to do to, to uh, go to heaven and have salvation is just to simply believe that Jesus died for their sins 
and it requires no action on their part, such as repentance. And so this question is a very important question because, sad to say, in our country, a lot of pastors on both the TV, the radio, um, leave out uh, when they present the gospel. They leave out this whole idea of repentance. So let me say this, and I'll give it to Brad. Um, James, what you heard about repentance being a change of mind toward Jesus and, and how you understand Jesus and how you look at Jesus um, is true. And also the fact that repentance um, should should be a change of mind that leads us to a change of behavior, that's also true. Both of those things are true. And so, Brad, I'm going to go ahead and give it to you. And uh, how could you help James out? James, if he wants to really know uh, that that he's that he's a born again Christian and that he uh, has eternal life, um, what role does repentance play in all this? Yeah, I think that's a great question. Uh, believing that someone is is like that Jesus is the Son of God who came down, died on the cross to bear our sins on the cross and rose again. Um, you know, Satan knows that. The demons know that. Uh, so just believing that that happened and that's who Jesus was, um, that's not the same as putting their trust in Jesus and receiving him, not just as a Savior, but as Lord. We always say Lord and Savior uh, for a reason. Savior meaning that I put my trust in him for my forgiveness of my sins. Uh, Lord is meaning I surrendered my life to him. Um, I, I don't claim to have, have made it. None of us have, have been, you know, we're, we've been justified just as if, as if we never sinned uh, through faith in Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross for our sins. Sanctification, though, is what happens when we surrender our lives to Christ. The Holy Spirit comes in us and we start to see changes and transformation bit by bit through the convicting work of the Holy Spirit and as we respond uh, to the word. So uh, what I like to do is, is have people first, uh, you know, often look at Galatians where it's really clear we're, we're saved by grace through faith. We're not saved by, by works or, or, or doing this and don't doing that. But James comes along, the book of James. And that's where I call it sort of the testing book, if you will. <laughs> um, okay, you claim you believe. Do you really believe? Because if you really believe, there's going to be some change taking place. There's going to be some surrendering uh, marking its, its way. So if someone says they're a Christian, yeah, I'm a Christian. I, I, I pray to receive Jesus, my Lord and Savior. But years and years go by and there's, there's no change. There's no transformation there's no evidence that they actually became a child of God. The Holy Spirit uh, was is sealed. They've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. That's the concern, I think, that comes into play. So it's not just a, a mind thing. It's a heart thing. And, and uh, redemp- repentance is turning our heart away from these things of, of, of the world and turning our heart to Jesus, uh, not, a comp- not becoming perfect, but surrendering our heart to the Lord, saying, God, I want to follow you. I'm going to stumble. I'm going to fall. But you know I want to follow you. Help me follow you. That is how I see repentance. That's great, Brad. Thank you so much. And uh, James, too, it's it's important to understand that when you read the New Testament, um, that John the Baptist, 
when he came, he came preaching uh, repentance and faith, uh, repentance toward God, um, and then also faith in Jesus. Uh, he he was telling people that Jesus was coming, that the Messiah was coming, and when he came to be baptized, he pointed him out. What's interesting, you look at Jesus' ministry, Jesus also preached the importance of repentance. And then when you get into the epistles, or, or let me say that you get into the book of Acts, the history of the early church, you'll see the same thing as you read through the book of Acts, that the apostles, when they preached, they preached repentance from sin and faith toward or in Jesus Christ, okay? And so what's interesting is in Acts chapter 20, uh, Paul was speaking to the elders at Ephesus, and one of the things that he told them was this. He said that what he was doing in his ministry, he was testifying to Jews and also to Greeks. That, that means Gentiles or non-Jews. And here's what he was preaching to them. He says, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And so what you see in the, in the New Testament um, in order for a person to be truly born again, it takes turning away from our sins. It takes repentance, which to make it simple, re- repentance is like doing a U-turn, okay? Repentance is like driving north on the highway, um, but you need to go south, and so you make a U-turn and you go the opposite way. That's what repentance is. It's It's a change of behavior. It's a change of life. And what brings that change of life is a change of mind. So in, in the Greek language, the word that's used for repentance throughout the New Testament is a word that means a change of mind that leads to a change, a radical change of behavior. Okay. So if there is no change of behavior, if there is no change in our lifestyle after coming to Christ, if we continue in our same sins, um, and we're not willing to turn from them, and we're not willing then to turn to God, uh, then there is no salvation there. Okay. Now, Paul said that he preached repentance toward God. And what that means, again, that means the willingness because of a change of our mind. And when, when you heard, as you said, when you heard some preachers saying that repentance is changing your mind uh, about Christ and who he is, that's very true because that's the beginning of it. In John chapter 16, Jesus said that when the Holy Spirit comes to the earth, that what he would do is this, is he would convict the world. He would convict unbelievers. And the word convict there means to convince. To convict or convince unbelievers of three things, sin, righteousness, and judgment. And what he meant by that is when he said he came to convict us of our sin, the Holy Spirit comes to speak to us and to show us and to convince us that we are sinners in need of a Savior, okay? But then the second thing that the Holy Spirit does is he convicts us of righteousness. And what's that mean? He convicts us of how we can be righteous before God and the way the way for us to a- attain that. And then, of course, throughout the New Testament or throughout the Gospels and and the New Testament, it is through faith in what Jesus Christ has done for us by taking our sins on the cross and then God raising him from the dead to prove that his payment for our sins is sufficient. So as you go through the New Testament, what you'll see is this idea that salvation comes to a person through 
faith and belief. It's, it's, or I'm sorry, repentance and belief, repentance and faith. It's being willing to turn from our sins, to change our mind, uh, toward Jesus that we, we need to embrace him as our Lord and as our savior because we're sinners. And if we'll do that, then we'll escape the judgment to come. So there has to be a change of mind toward who Jesus is. That's very true. But then that should lead to a change in our behavior as we then put our faith in Christ and we turn from our sin and we turn to God. And when we're willing to do that, then what happens is the Lord gives us his spirit and makes us a new person, makes us born again. And so as you look at the New Testament, you will see very clearly that the path to salvation, the, the way a person is saved is through repentance and faith. And if you have one without the other, it's, it's, it's not going to lead to true salvation. Um, if, if you have repentance without faith, then what you have is you have legalism. You have a person thinking because they quit sinning, quit doing bad things, they have salvation. No, that won't give you salvation. And neither will, as Brad said, just simply believing in Jesus without any surrender to his lordship and changing your mind about who he is and, and making him now your Lord. Uh, without that, there's no salvation either. It takes both. So, James, does that help? It does. It helps very much. And it, it clarified quite a bit of my uh uh, you know, my questions. Um, so, mm -hmm. you know, just believing in Jesus uh, and repenting on my sin is both a requirement, not just one or the other, because one won't get you there versus the other one won't either. It's a combination of both. Exactly. And and, and I can tell you this, too. There, there are examples of this um, in, for instance, in the book of Acts. OK, um, if you if you read the book of Acts and you read chapter 16, Paul and Silas were thrown into prison, and then it says at midnight they prayed, and then they sang to the Lord. The Lord sent an earthquake and opened the prison doors. Their and, and their you know their shackles all fell off, and they were free. Okay, and then it says that the guard at the prison was about to kill was about to kill himself. He was about to commit suicide because all of his prisoners were now loose and set free, and. If a Roman guard uh, of a prison um, allowed his prisoners to escape, then he would be put to death for that. He would he would suffer for that. So, what's interesting is this man was a, was about to kill himself, and Paul told him to wait. No, don't do that. And then he he preaches the gospel to him. And what he tells him is this: um, when the man says, "What what must I do?" He says, "Believe on the Lord Jesus." And you will be saved and all your household. Okay. And that's what happened. Um, he put his faith in Christ and then Paul goes to his house, preaches the gospel to the man's whole family and they all get saved. They all get born again. They all put faith in Christ and Paul baptizes them and, and they're believers. Now, some people will take that, that passage and they'll say, well, see the jailer. The guard there, all he did, all Paul told him to do was just believe in Jesus and you'll be saved. Well, why did Paul not mention repentance to the man? He didn't mention repentance to the man because the man was already repentant. The man was already broken in his spirit. 
he was already at a place where he knew he was a sinner. He knew he was in trouble. He was about to take his own life and wanted to know, you know, how he could be saved. And so Paul tells him. And so this is a pattern you see uh, throughout the book of Acts. And again, as I said, you see it from, uh, you know, all the way from John the Baptist to Jesus to Paul to Peter, uh, all of them. So it's it's a very important uh, aspect um, of putting our faith in Jesus uh, is repentance. Because as Brad said, the repentant life is is the proof that I have salvation. Okay. And as Brad was explaining a moment ago, um, in, in the, in the, let me give you, give you this real quick. In Romans chapter three, Paul said that a man is justified before God through faith alone. But then as Brad told us, James says that if a man says he has faith, but has no works, can that faith save him? And he said no. And so what's interesting is Paul's telling us that the way to be justified and right before God is through faith in what Jesus Christ has done for us, which faith in Christ includes repentance. But what's interesting is when James says faith alone is not enough to save a person, what he's saying is if the, if a person says he has faith, but his, he doesn't have works, if his life isn't changed, he doesn't live differently after accepting Christ as Lord, then his faith is not real. And James says that kind of faith cannot save him. Right. Okay. So this is really, really important, you know, and so it, it's, it's that repentance, that change of mind about who Jesus is, that he's, he's, he's not just some far off person who died for the sins of the world. No, he died for my sins and he, he needs to be my Lord. I need to surrender my life to him. And I also need to turn from my sin and turn to God through faith in Christ. And if I do, he'll forgive me of my sins, give me eternal life. And so, um, you know, it's, it's not one or the other. It's, it's both and, um, when it comes to, um, receiving true salvation. And again, as Brad said, the proof of that will be in a life lived in repentance. And, um, so if you don't see that, then there's a good chance there's no salvation there. So James, let me ask you. We're, we're we're coming up on a on a break here. Um, the, well, I, you know, you said that helped, um, but I want to make sure that uh, before we go, that you that you know for sure that your sins are forgiven and that you have eternal life. So if you would, if we, I hear the music coming on, if you would hold on the line, we got calls waiting. We'll get to them in the second half of the program. Uh, but James, I'd like to come back and uh, give you an opportunity if you would like to pray. Uh, we'd like to do that. So we'll be back with the second half of the program in just a few moments. If babies in their mother's womb could speak, what would they say? Did you know an unborn baby's heart is already beating at just three weeks? By five weeks, you can hear their heartbeat on ultrasound. And that's where Preborn's network of clinics step in. The heartbeat is the voice of the preborn, and you can share their voice in a big way. I got to hear and see my baby for the first time. Hearing the heartbeat made me cry, and it was certain that I was going to keep my baby forever. 
Preborn is the nation's largest provider of free ultrasounds. And every day they rescue 200 babies' lives. Will you speak for those who cannot speak for themselves? To find out more about the life-saving work of Preborn, visit Preborn.com. That's Preborn.com. Or call 855-668-BABY. That's 855-668-BABY. All gifts are tax-deductible. And Preborn has a 100% charity rating. Your love can save a life. If you are 65 or older, you know this. Watching your hard-earned dollars fly out the window on health care costs is frustrating. Well, here's something that can really help, and it's worth taking a minute to look into. MediShare 65+. Plus. MediShare is a community of Christians who share each other's health care bills, and it really is a community, too. People encourage and pray for each other. Well, MediShare 65 Plus is a low-cost option for those with Medicare Parts A and B, and it fills in the gaps where Medicare stops. It's a great way to fight inflation, too. You can lock in one low monthly price for up to 10 years. And it's easy. You can use any Medicare-approved doctor or get 24-7 telehealth access from the comfort of your home. Very worth looking into during Medicare open enrollment, which ends December 7th. If you join right now, your second month share will be free. So don't miss this chance. Call 833-90-SHARE. That's 833-90-SHARE. 833-90-SHARE. Well, welcome to the second half of Monday's edition of To Every Man and Answer. I'm Scott Parker, in for Mike Kessler today. And with me on the program is attorney Brad Dacus from the Pacific Justice Institute. And right before the break, we were talking with James from Colorado. He was asking the question about what part does repentance play in receiving salvation? We spent quite a bit of time answering that question. And so, James, uh, I hope that helps you understand that a little better. And before I let you go, I just wanted to make sure um, that for you personally, uh, that number one, you understand that and that you're confident uh, that, you know, you've received salvation yourself. And and uh, so I'd like to ask you that. And if not, would you like us to pray with you to receive Christ as your Savior? Absolutely. Okay. Well, Brad, would you would you pray with James? And um, and just uh, lead James to the Lord, if you would. Oh, you bet. Yeah, James, just uh, just repeat this uh, this this simple prayer uh, after me, if you can. Just say, uh, Lord, Lord God. Um, Lord God. Uh, I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. Uh, you know all of my sins. You know all of my sins. And right now, I receive forgiveness for all my sins through faith in Jesus. Right now, I receive forgiveness through my faith in Jesus. And I right now surrender my life to you, Lord. And right now, I surrender my life to you, Lord. Thank you for becoming my Lord and my Savior. I want to live for you. Thank you for becoming my Lord and Savior, and I want to live for you from this day forward. <laughs> yes. Amen. In Jesus' name, amen. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you very much, gentlemen. You got it, James. Right. Thank you for the call. 
God bless you. Thank you for hanging on so long uh, for us explaining all of this. Um, and, and James, you know, again, um, it's, it's, you know, you can be confident that you're born again because of what Jesus Christ did for you. Okay. And never forget that again, that it's, it's by faith in what Jesus has done for you that you are justified, made right before God. Okay. And if you given your life to Christ right now was real and was authentic and the Holy Spirit did a work in your heart, then what's going to happen is you're going to start living a new life, a different life. And uh, that doesn't mean you're not going to sin occasionally or here and here or there. But again, true repentance is you will now have a different view of your sin uh, where either it didn't bother you or it, it you know, uh, you didn't mind. Now you will. <laughs> now they're, now you're going to experience a struggle in your heart. Uh, whenever your sinful nature wants to do something that's uh, a, a sin against God and you're, you're going to sense the Holy Spirit leading you in a different direction. And when you sense that struggle, James, let me let you know, that's a good sign. Okay. Don't get discouraged. It's a good sign because it shows you that you now have new life inside of you. Okay. And so just remember, uh, again, that salvation comes through faith in what Jesus Christ has done and what Jesus Christ has done for us. And that alone, um, but again, if if we truly have put our faith in Christ, then it will lead to a life of saying no to sin and yes to the Lord. And um, you know, you can you can have confidence to know that your sins are forgiven. So, James, God bless you. Thank you so much for calling today, and uh, we just rejoice with you uh, because again, if you pray that prayer from your heart to the Lord in all sincerity, He heard you forgives you for your sins, and now you're part of the family of God. So we rejoice with you, and I'm sure all the CSN listeners right now are rejoicing as well. And if you would, James, hang on the line because the folks at CSN there have some wonderful resources they want to send to you. In fact, uh, they will send also to you a little book called It's Time to Grow, written by Pastor Mike Kessler, uh, that will help you in what you need to do now that you're a Christian. Okay? So, James, thanks for the call. God bless you. And um, we will talk to you next time. If you have another question, feel free to give us a call anytime. So God bless. And let's go ahead now and go to Colleen from Tacoma, Washington. Uh, Colleen, you're on the program. Hi, thank you so much for taking my call. Um, Mm -hmm. I just kind of want to get your take on something. Um, Mm -hmm. It's about transgenderism. Okay, so my oldest child was born female. And a couple of years ago, she decided she was going to be a male. Mm-hmm. And went through all the, you know, start going through the hormones and all that kind of stuff. And anyways, long story short, she ended up with no place to stay. Um, so my husband, God bless his soul, um, said she could come and live with us. And so we tried to do things, you know, like try to rebuild her credit, help her have a place to stay, somewhere that was safe. Mm-hmm. We didn't want her on the streets. Mm-hmm. And she knew our position. She knew we're Christians and she knew we're believers. Mm-hmm. And I refer to her as she because I do not accept that she is a male. Right. And a long story short, um, after a while, you know, my, my husband is really sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And um, he was really feeling like things were not okay. And we brought this to her saying, you know, you can stay here, but you have to change your ways. 
and she was not willing to, and she chose to leave. So my question is, did we do the right thing? Because for me as a mom, it breaks my heart. It really does. I mean, it's like she's my child, Mm -hmm. and I don't refer to her as he, and she knows that. She She knows our stances. She knows how we feel, but it's created a lot of stress. You know, and with our family, my family is just so divided and so all over the place. And Mm -hmm. as Christians, I know this is not right. I know this is not God's plan. And we try to over and over, you know, ask her to read the Bible, ask her her beliefs on what she says she believes in God. But we asked her, like, okay, well, where does it say that God thinks this is okay? And so um, that's just my my question is, did we do the right thing in asking her to leave because we were not okay with that and we did not feel that the Holy Spirit was condoning that? Okay. Well, Colleen, um, let me just say uh, on behalf of all of our listeners, I'm sure uh, our heart goes out to you. Um, what you and your husband are going through is very, very difficult. Uh, this is not an easy thing to navigate through in the sense of, you know, trying to keep peace in the family and, and, uh, and things like that. This is, this is very hard, uh, because as you said, at, at the same time, you, you know, you want to be loving toward your family in the sense of you want them to, you know, feel like they're loved and that you care about them and you want them to feel like that. Uh, but at the same time, you have to stand on truth. You have to, um, you know, uh, live in reality, uh, which is really the scriptures, <laughs> you know, what the Bible has to say, uh, about all of these things is the reality of the way God has created us. And so, uh, it's a very difficult situation to, to navigate through, you know, for us as Christians, it, and I think this is the hard part, isn't it? Is for us as Christians, this is not a hard thing. This is not a difficult thing. God has made it very plain in the scriptures how he created us and how he made us. And, uh, and we, we see it in scripture and then we see it, uh, naturally in life. Uh, but when so much of our society is, is saying, no, uh, truth is, is, is anything I say it is, um, now it makes it very hard for us to get along with people, um, even members of our own family. And so this is a very difficult thing. So Colleen, our, our heart goes out to you. Thank you. Number one, thanks for calling and asking this question because, this is a very difficult question, so that took a lot of courage to do that. And so we're going to try our best here to, to help you out with um, just, you know, uh, getting some peace of mind uh, about the decisions you've made. And so, Brad, I'm going to give it over to you. And what what kind of advice would you give Colleen and what kind of um, comfort would you give to her uh, as she's gone through this? And, you know, did her did her, and her husband do the right thing in, in drawing these lines? Yeah, that's a, a really good question. And, of course, we're just talking at it just, you know, from what she said, um, there's a lot of issues that can come into play with individuals who have uh, gender identity confusion or dysphoria. Uh, they can have uh, other mental issues, psychiatric issues that could come into play. It could be problematic. Um, also, let's say you had uh, two younger children. Uh, you know, I don't know if you have any other, uh, any other children, but um, it's very understandable why a parent would want that. Uh, that older child, maybe it's a young adult, not at home practicing out gender distortion. 
which is what I, the term I came up with to describe. It's not really transition, transition. You cannot transition your gender. It's, it's genetically impossible. So, uh, so it's someone who has a gender distortion. You might want to protect your children, younger kids from having to deal with that confusion and raise issues themselves. Um, uh, but also, you know, if, you know, as, as Christians, we want to uh, love our children. We want to be very clear in our unconditional love for them, that we will love them um, no matter what they do, no matter what they, you know, in whatever shape, we will still love them unconditionally. Um, if they end up behind bars, we'll try to visit them as much as possible if it's not too far away. Um, you know, we need to have that kind of heart so that unconditional love is very, very clear. And uh, And as far as having the child, you know, leave versus stay, um, you know, if the child says that they were a dog and they were barking, uh, under what conditions would we allow them to stay living with us? Obviously, they're, they're not a dog. They're not, you know, they're uh, they're they're barking. You know, may have been, you know, I, I think we need to understand that they're ill. Um, and to what extent are they willing to be reasonable? Um, like, for example, uh, one requirement needs to be that you cannot be required or should be expected uh, to play into it uh, in any way. So make it really clear. So, you know what? Uh, I see you as a woman. That's who God made you. So I'm going to say she, uh, I'm going to refer to you as she, because I think that's how I see you. That's, I'm not going to lie to myself. I'm not going to lie before God. I think that's also how God sees you. So I'm going to be honest if, you know, so number one is her willingness to respect you and your beliefs and uh, and your conscience is really important. If that's not there, and she requires you to uh, to refer to to her as a him and et cetera, that's a deal breaker because you're con- contributing and enabling the lie and the deception and the confusion if you give into that. Uh, secondly, um, you know, is, she, is that is she willing uh, to not um, to to flaunt it? If she really sees herself as a male, then she should not, you know, be required, you know, require, uh, that she have to be, you know, dressed like a, a, a male and in, in, in total, you know, male garb and add, you know, et cetera. Um, say neutral. You say, will you wear, you know, gender neutral clothing? Will you, will you do that? Because it hurts me to see you dressing in a way that I know is, is, is affirming a lie. It hurts, it hurts me too much to see that. Uh, so out of respect for my love for you, we at least just be wear gender neutral clothing. Um, and so those are the, the kind of things and conversations that I would recommend. Uh, you know, they're, they, they're hurting. They're not someone who is, who are just trying to be in your face rebellion against God. They're people who, they're, who have, uh, hurt. They have pain, often, uh, sexual abuse as a child that parents often don't even know, know about. There's a lot of factors that come into play. Um, but if they're not, willing to respect you and your beliefs in this understanding, uh, then I think, or if you have uh, children who are being impacted uh, in other ways, I think those are two major deal breakers uh, right off the bat. And that's, those are, you want to build from that, but I think that's what personally what I would look at. And Brad, I totally agree with everything you just shared there. And Colleen, let me ask you a question too, um, without getting too deep here on the air on things. Uh, did, did you mention, did, did I miss it? Did you mention how old your daughter is? Oh, okay. Well, she was 35. Okay. When she chose to transgender. 
And then uh, we took her in because she had no place to go and we didn't want her on the streets. Okay. So let me, let me ask you this question. Um, why, why did she have no place to go? Um, because all the people that she thought supported her and were in favor of her, nobody had a place for her. Nobody. Okay. So I guess my question is, um, it, it doesn't seem like to me if, if she's 35, she, she's not married, right? Mm-mm. Okay. 35, not married. She should be on her own as an adult. Um, so, so really the big, I, I, I get what you're saying with the whole issue of the transgenderism and everything. That's a big deal. Um, and especially when you, when, when, you know, you're bringing in that to your home. Um, I guess, I guess another big issue is, which I think is just as big is what's going on in her life that she's 35 years old and she can't support herself. I mean, is she able to work and, and things like that? Yeah, she has jobs. She has a, a stable job, and she was renting a space, and um, the people she was renting a space from had a child that had a baby and had to move in there, and blah, 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 whatever. They asked yeah, her to yeah. move out. So then she kind of put it out there, and nobody, nobody from all her coming out things that everybody supported her, even her dad, you know, mm. nobody would take her in. And I didn't want my child, regardless, living on the streets. Okay. So, right. and my husband said, okay, let's have her come here and maybe we can mm-hmm. figure something out. And right. right. So, I mean, yeah, and, I, and, mm-hmm, go ahead. And so, but that being said, it became really um, stressful, you know, with our beliefs sure. clashing against yeah. hers because she once told me that she would rather live like this. And go to hell than um, to change. And okay, yeah, you know, I, well, I, 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 yeah, I, Colleen, I think it's, I think it's very important to understand that one of the most loving things you can do for your kids, um, and especially adult kids, uh, as as uh, Brad said, is not to enable them, but to give them truth. And to help them uh, when it comes to having, you know, what they need to be able to make decisions and to take care of themselves. Um, because at 35 years old, I mean, you're in a, you know, you should be taking care of yourself. You should be providing for your own needs, um, not depending on your parents. And so I, I think, you know, along with the whole transgender thing, and I agree with you totally. Um, I agree with what uh, everything that that uh, Brad said that I would not I would not uh, enable her delusion as you said by calling her a man or referring to her like that. I I totally agree with all of that. Um but it also seems to me um like all this transgender thing may just be a symptom of something deeper. Uh, if she's that age and she can't take care of herself or, or she has no place to go, um, you know, so um, those may be things that, you know, if you really want to show her love would be to get with her and say, hey, let's let's look at all of your life, um, because I'm sure that, again, if she's this age and she has no place to live, um, 
you know, that there's some issue there and it's, 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 it's beyond just, you know, her, her ideas on transgenderism, if, if that makes sense. Um, and I think it's one of the most loving things you can do is to, uh, is, is to let her know that. And I also think it's important too, Colleen, and, and I want to say this too for any parents who are listening. As a pastor, my advice would be if you're going to take an adult child into your home, um, and give, you know, and give them a place to live. I think it's important for the Christian parents to let the child know, um, right off the bat, Hey, listen, if you move in with us, um, you know, as for me and my house, we serve the Lord. And so here's what we're going to require of you while you're living under our, our roof. And, uh, you know, I would tell them, um, you know, if you're going to live with me as an adult child, you're going to go to church with us. Um, you know, we're, we're going to, um, you know, read the Bible in our home and, and things like that. You know, we're going to pray in our home. And uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Letting them know up front, listen, we love you, you know, um, but for, you know, and, and I'm not talking about just the transgender issue, but any parent who's bringing adult children into their home, let them know up front what you're expecting of them and what kind of standards you have in your home. Uh, because many times that can, that can really, uh, um, take care of the issue right up front. Uh, because as you said, she said, you know, I would rather live as a transgender man <clears throat> than I would, you know, and, and go to hell than I would, you know, um, uh, live a different way. So I think that that tells you a lot right there about where her heart's at. But it sounds like to me, just from the information we got here, and of course, again, as, as Brad said, there could be a whole lot deeper things to it. Uh, but you might want to, it would be very loving of you and your husband to, to sit her down and say, you know, let's, let's look at everything in your life and all the issues. And, you know, because her not having a place to live isn't just, well, everybody won't let me move in with them. You know, <laughs> you should, you should be living on your own, you know, so those might be things you want to address. So Colleen, uh, I thought Brad gave you excellent advice. I totally agree with him completely. And so we really hope that helps. And Colleen, before we go, uh, Brad, could you, could you pray for Colleen and her husband real quick? Just that the Lord yeah. would give them peace over this and, and also just give them wisdom in dealing with her, with, uh, their daughter. You bet. Uh, Father, we lift up Colleen and her husband, uh, in this situation. Oh, Father, uh, you, you love their daughter even more than they do. Yeah. Um, you, uh, you, you created their, their daughter. Um, every single cell. Uh, Lord God, you created, um, and uh, and Lord God, we we right now we pray, Father, for your Holy Spirit of peace to be upon uh, both of this this couple, and also Father to uh, not to allow this to to burden them, Father, uh, but to to believe and, and exercise their faith that that you do love their daughter, and then when they pray for their daughter. Lord God, that they'll be remember how much you love their daughter and what a great and powerful God, and that you are a God that does do miracles, Father. So that this will not weigh them down, Father. Also pray for your love, Father, to uh, to over overflow in them to their daughter, uh, not a, a a fake love or placating love, um, but a, a love that is is real that that daughter sees. Pray, Lord God, that that relationship uh, might continue. And that those connections of communication might continue, and um, and that, uh, that 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 daughter, Lord God, will be, um, or your heart will be changed, and Lord God, and that you will allow her father to uh, to address whatever issues are, and maybe even go to counseling, uh, Father. But 
um, we lift this up to you, Lord God. It's hitting a lot of people across America. The great deceiver is is moving about like it's a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. He's devouring so many people. Um, but Lord God, you are powerful. You are awesome. You're a great God of love. We pray for your peace and the working of your Holy Spirit in this situation and divine wisdom way and above and beyond all that we could imagine or think about. We pray for your wisdom in this situation and we thank you for what you're going to be doing in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 And Colleen, again, thank you so much for having the courage to call today. And we hope that uh, what we shared with you was a help and the prayer as well. If you would hold on, hold on the line there. And uh, we have some things we would like to send out to you uh, that would be a, a help to you as well. And so thank you again for calling us. Let's go ahead and get now and go to Anna here in St. Louis. Anna, you're on the program. Yes. Um, I was just wondering if we're supposed to follow the Ten Commandments, how come we do um, services on Sunday instead of Saturday, which is the Sabbath? Okay, well, that's a great question, um, Brad. Yeah, well, yeah, that's a, it is a very good question, and um, you know, in fact, uh, you know, many people will point to the early church, Seventh Day Adventists, and others, and, and say, well, you know, that's you know, that's where they met, and that's that's where the church met. They met on Saturdays, and uh, and I think it's important to get a clear understanding of of the history, um, but in reality. Uh, as I understand the the early church, they were very quick to uh, to actually to recognize um, Sunday as a Sabbath because that was that's the new covenant. That's the beginning of uh, not just the the day of the new week, but that's the beginning of the new covenant uh, through faith in Jesus Christ as uh, Lord and Savior. Um, and so, you know, that's that's why the church recognized. I think it's also important to note that uh, you know the Apostle Paul. Uh, the issue of you know what day do you honor? Um, that was actually an issue that was addressed uh, by the Apostle Paul, and he pointed out because some say this day, some say that. Well, you know, just honor the Lord, and uh, and and and, uh, and and don't be allow legalism over the issue uh, cause division among the body of Christ. Uh, and I think that's a, a real important point as whenever we talk to anyone addressing this issue. Uh, who has, I'm sure, can have very deep and sincere convictions. If people want to worship the, the Lord on Saturday and recognize Saturday um, instead of Sunday, I know some people will go to church Saturday night and uh, instead of Sunday morning for uh, for different reasons. Um, you know, I think it's uh, it's more of a heart issue and a surrendering issue to the Lord. Um, and he, uh, but that's 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 my understanding. I, I like to see what Scott has to say. <laughs> well, Anna, let me make it quick. First of all, the Sabbath, the the seventh day rest, was a covenant that God made with the Jewish people while they were living in their land. It was between God and the Jews. What's interesting when you go to the New Testament, you will see that the New Testament writers they repeated all of the Ten Commandments as if Christians should obey them. But the one that they do not command Christians to keep or to follow is the Sabbath because Christ is our Sabbath, which that means he's our rest. And so uh, that's just in a quick nutshell. But remember, it's faith in Christ that saves us, not the keeping of the Ten Commandments. Uh, but the Ten Commandments are God's moral law that applies to all people at all time, including us today. And so, Brad, thanks for being on the program today. God bless you, and we'll be back with you tomorrow for more To Every Man and Answer. Or to receive a copy of today's program, please call 1-800-357-4226. 
or write us to Every Man and Answer, P.O. Box 391, Twin Falls, Idaho, 83303. That toll-free number is 1-800-357-4226. Subscribe to the free podcast on iTunes by searching for To Every Man and Answer in the iTunes Store or visit us online at csnradio.com slash T-E-M-A. To Every Man and Answer is a production of CSN International, the Christian Satellite Network. The opinions expressed by our guests may or may not be those of CSN International or of this station. 